Hi, this is Chris with the Midnight Movie Snack Podcast. A quick note before we jump into tonight's episode of Weird Science. This episode is one that we recorded last year. It is one of the first episodes that Garrett and I recorded, and so the audio quality is not the best. In addition, you can hear the movie audio pretty much throughout the film. This is something that we later learned and worked on and developed. Uh, Rather than re-record this episode, though, I decided, let me go ahead and put it out there because I think it's, it's an entertaining episode. Garrett and I have a lot to talk about with regards to John Hughes and Weird Science. And so hopefully you can join along with us and it doesn't lessen your experience watching the film with us as we do commentary. So that's it. Hope you enjoy the episode. Let us know what you think. Be sure to email us or send us a message through our podcast service at anchor.fm. And without further delay, let's jump into Weird Science. You're listening to the Midnight Movie Snack Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Midnight Movie Snack Podcast, episode 25, Two Perverts in Slushies. No, that is not a reference to Garrett and me. Instead, I'm referring to Gary and Wyatt, our leads in tonight's movie from director John Hughes. Released in 1985, it's weird science. As we continue our summer commentary series for writer and director John Hughes, we come to a movie that is clearly an 80s teen male fantasy film. Two nerdy guys, played by Elon Mitchell Smith and Anthony Michael Hall, a familiar face in John Hughes movies, come together to create the perfect female, played by model and actress Kelly LeBrock. Hijinks ensue. While the film is now considered a cult classic by Hughes fans, Critics were not as kind when the movie was released. The majority opinion was that the movie was a step back from Hughes's previous films. However, audiences thought differently, and the movie was a box office hit. Despite Hughes's desire to keep making movies with Anthony Michael Hall, um, he had actually envisioned Hall as the lead in one of his next films, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Hall had other ideas, namely he wanted to avoid typecasting. Weird Science would be the last film John Hughes and Anthony Michael Hall did together. So, grab your copy of the movie and join Garrett and me as we watch Weird Science. Ah, I heard something. There we go. All right. Good deal. Ah. <laughs> hey, man. What's up? What's going on? So you're in I'm a at, vacation. I'm in. I'm at work. <laughs> okay. So I'm like, I said, let's let's do this. So, thank you. Yeah, I got. There's my uniform, and yeah, I just I put on. I, again, I don't have the t-shirt, so. I like since it's the closest thing since uh two at least well one cast members in this movie so hey. and uh the the writer and director so there you go that counts hey and this is yeah fun fact on this one um john hughes wrote i was reading the, the book i was reading said that uh he wrote 30 he wrote he wrote 30 pages of 
of weird science while he was while he was in the middle of directing uh, Breakfast Club, and he he gave it he he gave it to Anthony Michael Hall, and he said, "Read this," and he goes he goes I want you to do it. He goes he goes you and some other guy, and he he gave him the premise, and he had th- he had thirty pages written. Um, so I mean, so he was here. He was in the middle of Breakfast Club. And he writes and he he chucks out thirty pages of weird science, you know, while he's doing that. I think that's well again he, amazing that he was he, just you know. Yeah, he apparently had a, a history of um just cranking stuff out. Um in fact, this there's a story that um uh Lauren Schuler Donner, who's a producer, she's a big Hollywood producer today, but yep. like back in the day when she was working with him, um, they, they actually worked together on Mr. Mom. And uh, John Hughes hated getting notes from the studio on his scripts. You know, like, you know, they'd read the script and then they'd be like, you know, giving him all these notes about changes to make and so forth. So apparently when he was working on Mr. Mom, um, the Aaron Spelling, of 90210 fame was was one of the producers on it and the story goes that they gave him a bunch of notes and Hughes like sat down at the nearest typewriter like there in one of the offices and just started writing the changes right then and there he was so like within I think Lauren Donner Schuler Donner said that like within like an hour he had he had cha- incorporated all the changes or whatever and handed it off but then of course after that they they essentially kicked him off the movie um because even though he wrote it they like came in behind him and rewrote a bunch of stuff um i'm sure yeah. yeah but yeah he was he was notorious for cranking out scripts really fast but you know a lot of people what i was reading in that book i've got would say that yes he would crank out uh, you know, screenplays like super fast. And a lot of them, you know, were pretty close to, to done, but he, and he says that he intentionally just wrote these first drafts and he made changes to it along the way. So like, for example, planes, trains, and automobiles, he wrote that script really fast, but it went through a ton of changes as they were filming because he would add stuff. He would take stuff out, you know, and, and apparently the first cut of that was like almost three hours. I think that, that I read somewhere. So, um, so yeah, he, he definitely, uh, was fast with writing stuff. I've read that. Yeah. He did that for uh, pretty in pink. He yep. would just, he would just sit down. They, he would just, he would be on, he'd be on set and he would come on set and ch- check things out and they would have, and they said that what, you know, I think the same lady who you just quoted, I think she said that, um, he would just sit down and, you know, and fix it within 30 minutes. He would have all the rewrites. He would do whatever they asked him to do. And I told you a story about, um, he was, What's the what's the guy's name for some kind of wonderful the director? What's his name? Um, uh, Howard Deutsch. 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 Whatever. Yeah. That that he had rewrites for him to do on on some kind of wonderful. Oh yeah. And he and he cranked out and he and he had but he was cranking out. He was in the middle of cranking out uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off and he gives them he gives them like the first fifty pages of it and has them read it and he's just like amazed at. And I was going, yeah, I was going to talk about that. It's like I was reading more about it over this past week. And um, so here's the deal with that. So Deutsch was the original director on Some Kind of Wonderful. Right. He was original, and he was having a hard time casting everything. And so he he, he was on the plane with some some other director, 
and the guy said, if you, if you can't find, if you can't find your cast, then there's no need to do it. So that's when he decided he was looked at the other script about that oil and vinegar thing that you yeah. had told me about. Uh-huh. And, then, and then the whole, and then the whole sequence of like, you know, he got in John Hughes bad graces really fast and he got kicked off the, he got his, he got his office locked out and all this kind of stuff. So then it went to that Coolidge lady and she's the one who, you know, I think that's where the changes of the script started to happen. I think she's the one who had the darker ideas. And I think John went along with it. It looks like from, yeah. from, from everything that, you know, he was kind of, because, because uh, John Cryer was talking about the, you know, the original guy was named Garth and, and, um, it was much more, it was much more in this, you know, what we're going to do tonight with weird science is going to be much more in the, in the, in the same genre of class as 16 candles and weird science he had more of a comedy, more yeah. comedy flair, more, stu- you know, it's like, I think he was like masturbating at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> I mean, like that was the premise of, it was going to start out like that. So yeah, um, definitely. And, and it changed and it changed as it went, you know, it, 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 you know, like it changed as it went on. And so, so in the process of it starting with Coolidge or with, with Deutsch, then the Coolidge, I think that's when Ferris Bueller's Day Off got, got started. And this is what's wild. I was reading this. This is what goes along with what you were talking about last week. You were telling me that you saw Ferris Bueller's Day Off and that on the trailer at the beginning yeah. that it had some kind of wonderful. Well, yeah. the thing is, the girl – who played the little sister who was, I mean, like not Candace Cameron, but the, but the, 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 the younger sister in high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Eric Stoltz. She, she had, she had tried out for the movie. She didn't hear anything. So she didn't think she got it. Her parents go to see Ferris Bueller's day off. Her mom sees the trailer to some kind of wonderful with the drums, the same thing you're talking about. And she goes, Oh, I guess you didn't get it. Well, about a week later, she gets a phone call saying that they want her to come back in. And that's yeah. what, and it was in the process of, it was in the process of change. It hadn't quite changed yet, right? but it was, it was, something was going on. And, um, so she read for it. She didn't know, she didn't know that she got it, but her mom was, was, was going through cancer. Oh, and she told her mom that she got it, even though she hadn't got it yet. Her mom dies like two weeks later, which oh, she wow. and, and, and but her mom was happy that she that she yeah. thought she got it. Yeah. She said the blessing was that she ended up getting the part. And so see, here it is. Her mom just passed away. So she says that her brother and her dad take the summer trip to go to California. They're going to go make this John Hughes film. And she's they're sad, but they're excited about that. It, 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 it kind of gave them something to do. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. it's kind of like she was saying that they were kind of in a point of, you know, grieving and sad and all that kind of stuff. And so here it was. Some kind of wonderful was, was in the process of being made of, of some part, mm-hmm. John Hughes writes fair spielers day off and then films it and completes it before some kind of wonderful gets complete. I mean, I'm saying it's like, it's yeah. right. I mean, that's, it's, I mean, it just talks about how she goes to California and she meets the cat. She meets, she, she goes to her, her first day on the set. She goes into Coolidge's office. She says that Coolidge is, 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 is crying and pulling and taking down a poster in her office. And she tells him, I'm sorry. She goes, but I'm sure you guys are going to do great. She goes, yeah, no, I'm sorry about your mom and, and your wife. And, you know, she goes to the whole thing. 
and she just tells she says, it's just a really sad time right now for us as well over here. And so she understands, you know, so here this, here this girl's talking about, she goes in the office and cool, just taking her post, taking a poster down the office. And it's kind of a somber mood. She goes across the lot, goes into Howard Deutsch's, the same Deutsch, am I saying it correct? Right. I'm saying Deutsch. 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 Goes to his office. She goes, she goes, she goes, no lie. He's putting up a poster in his office <laughs> and he's like, hey guys, I'm glad you're here. I'm excited about this. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, it's going to be wonderful. Don't worry. You know, hey, don't, it's, it's going to be wonderful. wonderful. It's going to be some kind of wonderful. It's like, it's great. And she's just like, She's over here. There's crying going on. The poster's being taken off because she goes to his office. The poster's being put up. It's just, you know, and, yeah. and then she goes and describes the whole cast about, you know, which is wild talking about, uh, you know, like Eric Stoltz and Deutsch really. Yeah. They, like that. And I, and I was wrong last week. I told you that I read something that somebody said that they thought that Eric Stoltz was dating uh, Leah Thompson. Yeah. Actually, Leah Thompson was dating. Um, she was engaged to. Dennis, Dennis Quaid, and during that time oh, frame. That's right. That's right. Because they did. They were in uh, Jaws three together. They were they were dating, and they yeah. broke up like in December. She said they broke up in December, and and the movie had just finished filming, like for some kind of wonderful. Yeah. And they started doing the and they started her and Howard started doing the press the doing the press tour thing, and she goes that's when things started to like click. And she says you know she she said that she knew that he was into her because she said that, that that on the painting that was in the art gallery thing yeah she said that they he had probably 10 to 14 different paintings done and they and, and they kept because because they were trying to see about how eric stoltz would have like his character would have like drawn you know drawn her or, or, or yeah. you know like did her in the you know like in, on art and it's like going he didn't like and he goes that's not it that's not it that's not that you know it's not right and whatever yeah. he was very peculiar she said they probably spent forty thousand dollars just on trying to find the right artist to to, to like paint her and she yeah. said he was obsessed with that painting and it's like and so obviously you know just a few months later you know they you know like start dating and now they're still two there. teenage or you know two girls later and you know it's yeah. there we go yeah that's pretty cool that's um, pretty well i'm reminded of something uh so when ferris bueller came out in the theaters and that, that teaser trailer for some kind of wonderful played i remember i don't remember which publication it was it might have been premier magazine but one of the publications brought up you know like what's this teaser trailer like you know why aren't we seeing you know scenes from the movie kind of thing and 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 I remember it saying something that like, well, it's still being shot. That was it. Yeah. I just thought, okay, well, yeah, they're just in the middle of filming it or whatever. But I didn't realize until I had started reading that book that like, oh yeah, well, they were you know filming it because they got rid of the first director and you know or the first director left or was or was kicked out. Another director brought in and she was let go and and they brought him back. Yeah. Uh, and you're right. You and 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 you said it right that that his parents told him to go, go figure it out. Go, you know, like go make, you know, go make. Yeah. And he even saw a shrink. He said a shrink said he's your he's your golden goose. Go get your goose. Yeah. That's what that's what the shrink told him. Yeah. And so. Um, yeah, it's interesting though because since since last week, you know, I was reading a little bit more about Hughes, and um, I mean, he really, it's kind of sad in a way, like he really had a history of 
just walking away from people, people that he had worked with had had a good business relationship with collaborated with, he would just turn sour for, for sometimes like no clear reason. I mean, it was like, in fact, it said something along the lines of, you know, John shut people out for reasons known only to John. Like he would never say like to Howard, like, you know what, you ticked me off when you did that. And I, you know, I can't trust you or whatever. I mean, he just was like, nah, you know, but he was all, he was like that for, you know, once he really started to get popular and he had some fame with his movies, he became more and more like that. But the thing that I read, it said the only exception to that case was John Candy, that for whatever reason, John and John, the two Johns, um, just clicked and that's why when john candy died you know um it was said that hughes that's part of the reason why hughes got out of the business because he just kind of lost you know any momentum and any steam because he had apparently he had i know of at least two projects he had in the works that were going to involve john candy and one of them was going to be a movie with john candy and sylvester stallone um, it was about, I think it was called Bartholomew and Neff, I think was the name of it, but it's about these neighbors who don't get along and about how they kind of wage war against each other in the neighborhood. Um, they were set to, to do that, or at least, you know, uh, Hughes had written a script for it and, and Stallone was interested and Candy was interested and then, uh, John died. But, um, but yeah, so it's interesting and just... You know, I, I mean, I, I'd always known, like, watching these movies growing up that Hughes was very, you know, very quiet, you know, didn't say a lot, you know, seemed kind of reclusive. But reading stuff, you know, with this book that I've got and just some of the stuff I've looked at online, it's just kind of like, you know, um, I don't know, just I think because he was just so anti-Hollywood that he just kind of had this the sensibility that like, you know, the, the only people who really mattered to him was his family or people that he was super close with, like John Candy. Um, but yeah. And I mean, and he was close with Molly Ringwald and Anthony Michael Hall. And, but, and but even them, I mean, like, you know, she made a comment about him in Time Magazine. Yep. That's and it just rubbed him the wrong way. And apparently they never really spoke again, except for, I think he sent her, she reached out or something. He sent her flowers, but they, you know, it, it was like, he was done. Like when he read whatever it is that she said, um, which I don't think she was trying to be disparaging. I don't remember the exact quote, but I think, you know, I mean, she was a girl. I mean, she was a teenager, you know? Exactly. And so, you know, and of course, you don't, you don't know what journalists, how they're going to print stuff that you say, especially when you're a teenager. And I exactly. think he just, it kind of wounded his ego. And so his response was, well, I'm not working with you anymore, which um, is a shame because I thought they were really good together. I thought they, they just, like, he got his thing. stuff and he got her. And, you know, I think that's, their collaborations were always good. Yeah. It's like, she, it's like, I mean, she, she's a decent actress. I'm not saying she's, I mean, I, I really don't like her. I mean, it's like, I've watched, you know, I watched Riverdale. She's on that. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't really buy, it's kind of hard. And I'm not, I don't, I don't think I look at her as, oh, she's Molly Ringwald and she can't do anything other than, you know, she, I mean, I realize that she's grown up. She's a, she's a grown woman, but I don't, but it's, I don't know. It's just, it's just, I don't see the, 
it doesn't seem I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's just different. You know, I don't yeah. know. It's just a different kind of thing. And, um, and, and I, and, you know, obviously John knew how to write for her. Um, yeah, he did. but, but, you know, he, but he did the same thing to Anthony McCall and he, he really, I think this, I read something that, and I don't know. I mean, this is, I was doing, trying to try to do some research on different stuff. So it's not coming from this book here, but I think he really, he wanted Anthony Michael Hall to do what well, he wanted him to play Ducky in the pretty and pink he wanted him to be fair spieler those were those were things that he wanted him to do he got anthony michael hall he thought his parents were keeping him from doing it so he got he got anthony michael hall in a room like an office somewhere i guess on one of the things and he for four hours trying to convince him to trying to convince him to, to to be fair spieler and um his mom wrote said this about it she said something about that she said that, you know, he didn't want to do it. We weren't keeping him from doing it. He didn't want to do it. He said, she said, Ferris Bueller had no redeeming qualities or something. And I thought it was a little bit, you know, you know, a little bit. I was thinking, okay, of all the characters that he's played over the time, I, I don't, you know, Ferris would have been probably one of the, one of the better ones, but okay. If you think yes, no, but you could tell that she was, she was a little bit still upset. She goes, her son has been, you know, I mean, Anthony McCall has always been gracious about John Hughes. I mean, he's, I mean, even before he died, but even after he died, he's always said the, like the nicest things about him. Oh, yeah. He said, you know, he said he was my best friend. He, he's always been, you know, he's always been very, I thought very gracious. I mean, but, but his mom, you could tell that she was still pissed over the years about saying that, you know, she thought John, you know, was trying to like, you know, like force arm him and, and you know, and got mad because he didn't do what he wanted him to do and whatever. Um, but I mean, I think he really saw. He loved those kids, and I think he wanted them to like. He saw them as like equals friends, you know. And I think he wanted them to to like. I'm going to write stuff, yeah. and we're going to do, you know, we're going to do these movies together, and we're going. I'm going to write for you two, and we'll just keep, you know, we're going to have, you know. And they were just kind of like, we want to do something different. We want to, yeah. you know, we want to grow there, as an actor. There, yeah. there are some directors, and I think you know the fact is. 16 Candles was really his first movie he yep. directed. Like he had no experience. And I think given his nature, given the fact that he was allowed to make what at the time were, were actually very low budget films that did really well for the studios. There, there are certain directors, like I don't know if he ever envisioned himself as like an independent filmmaker. I mean, he was working for the studios, but he, he did things kind of on a small scale. And I know there are other directors in the industry who they do have that mindset of, I'm going to have basically a stable of actors, you know, that I use in all my movies, like Martin Scorsese does it with some of you know, like with Robert De Niro and, you know, Joe Pesci and Leonardo DiCaprio. He uses them again and again on a regular basis. And I think part of it is, is because he knows what he's going to get. He knows what he's dealing with. And, right. and I guess having that close relationship that he had with them, he knew not only their strengths, he knew how to write to those strengths. Yep. And so I think when, you know, and, and the thing is most actors, very few actors, you know, are, are like that. I mean, you know, I mean, I can think of a couple of actors, a couple of directors who use the same actors over and over. 
Um, but they're very few and far between. And most actors, you know, they want to, you know, do movies with different directors and they want to do different types. So they want to go, you know, overseas or they want to do, you know, whereas Hughes was always about wanting to make movies in Illinois and making them about, you know, his kind of idealized place where he grew up. And I think anytime the actor, whether it was Anthony Michael Hall or Molly Ringwald or any of them that, that were like, wanting to kind of spread their wings and do something else. I think it, you know, it probably, uh, you know, just knowing how sensitive he, he comes across and some of these things I've read, I think it just, he took it as a personal offense. He didn't, he didn't see it from their perspective that, yeah, you know, they need to, to try other things and, you know, like they'll go off and do something and Hey, maybe something down the road will work out, you know, but right. you know, I think he was kind of an all or nothing. And, um, yeah. But, you know, the thing about it I'll say is that whether he thought it worked out for the best, I mean, as much as I like Anthony Michael Hall, I have a hard time picturing him as Ferris Bueller when I think about Matthew Broderick. Because, of course. Oh, know, he did a great. You know, Broderick. But see, even Broderick, I, I, read, uh, I, I read something he said, and I also, he did a, a YouTube, like, reunion with the cast not too long ago. And I think it was, I think he said it in, in both situations, both things that I, that I saw and read, that he, when he was working on Ferris Bueller, there was one day they were talking and he said, he said, I was distracted or, or something was going on. And he said, and I just kind of put John off for a little bit. You know, he said, I wasn't, you know, being rude. I was just like, you know, kind of in my own world. And I was like, John, can we talk about this later? And he said that Hughes just got really, like, really chilly toward him. And so, I don't know, it was like a couple of days later or what, he finally went to Hughes and said, hey, look, you know, whatever I did, I'm sorry if I offended you. You know, I'm like, that wasn't mine. And they were able to smooth things over, but it was a lesson to, to Broderick that, like, you know, he was, like, Hughes was really moody that you, <laughs> yeah. that you didn't know what you were going to get sometimes, yeah. you know? but that's, you know, it's typical with creative types. I think, you know, that moodiness. And, yeah. I'm, you know. My friend, Chris Turner's that way. Sometimes he's getting moody. <laughs> he's, that's uh, all the time. He's, not, he's not left. He's not left-handed guy. And, yeah. You know, right yeah. left-handed and. Yeah. You know. John, John Hughes doesn't have anything on me. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, so I had at every intention earlier today, I was going to read up on, you know, reading my book about weird science and everything, and I never got a chance to. Um, but I do know there's one thing I can can throw out there before we start watching it. Um, I read that Kelly LeBrock, which plays the she plays the I don't even remember her name in the movie, but she's the creator. Lisa. That's Lisa. Right, Lisa. She's the 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 woman that the guys create. Um, she was not the original choice for Kelly Emberg. But even before Kelly Emberg, there was one other. Oh, tell me Robin, someone on there. Robin Wright. John Hughes wanted Robin Wright for the role, but get this: she turned it down. She turned it down for a part on Santa Barbara, the soap opera. You know, Robin Wright. She 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 auditioned for the role of Claire in Breakfast yeah. Club. Yep, in the Breakfast Club. I, John apparently really wanted to work with her. Um, and of course it's, you know, I mean, that was around the time, I forget when the princess bride came out, but, um, yeah, I mean, so, but she, apparently he really wanted her in the role of Lisa. Wow. Um, but 
you know, she decided to go do a soap opera, Santa Barbara, uh, instead. So then they went to Kelly Emberg, but then they discovered she can't act. <laughs> she, you know, she was. I know they, they filmed, I read they filmed two days and they had creative differences. And I'm like, yeah, like you said, she, yep. she can't act. Yep. Yep. So, but then, you know, Kelly LeBrock came along and Kelly. So when weird science came along, I had seen her, I think it came out before this. I want to say it did. She did uh, the woman in red with Gene Wilder. No, she, when, yeah. she was kind of like the object of his affection. Like, you know, yeah. I remember I that movie. Yeah. And, um, I remember because it, it was like the first movie that I saw with Gene Wilder where, where he wasn't playing Willy Wonka and he didn't have Richard Pryor with him. So, um, so I'd seen that on cable and she was yeah, great. 84. That's 84. So yeah, that was yeah. before. Yeah. So I remember thinking I saw it on cable and I was like, you know, she's, she's beautiful and she's fun. Yeah. And so then um, I'll never forget um, when weird science came out. Um, I went and saw it in the theaters and I saw it with Rob Stanland. It was Rob and one of Rob's friends. I forget the guy's name, but the three of us went to go see it. And, you know, I think we were all expecting like 16 candles or, you know, breakfast club, you know, and I was really surprised at this, you know, and we can talk about it as we go through the movie, but um, it wasn't quite what I expected. I mean, I, it was definitely more of the slapsticky kind of stuff that, that Hughes, um, I think you know, it kind of, to me, has more of a 16 Candles vibe, but it's even yep, it does. bigger than 16 Candles. Um, so, but I have not seen this movie in years. Like, I, I, it may be that I haven't seen it. Well, I know I've seen it since I saw it in the theater originally when it came out. But I think I've only seen it like one time since, and even yeah, then, I was like part I can't of remember the last time I watched it. I told you I was looking through my through, through my DVD collection, and I yeah. found like I had Sixteen Candles, I had Breakfast Club, I even had some kind of wonderful, but I didn't have this, and so yeah. um, so I was like, yeah, I haven't seen it either. I I was looking, I, I looked at the date. I was just on a timeline to see about when stuff came out, but th uh, this was released on August second, nineteen eighty five. So I was yep ten day ten days before I turned thirteen. Yeah. Which would have made it was like 19 days before you turned 15. That's right. And so it's like, so, so, was, so, so, so when I saw this movie, I was, I was 13, I was 13 when I saw it. And yeah. you would have been 15 most likely. You would have been 15 when you saw it or you would have right before you turned 15. I think, yeah, I think we saw it opening weekend because oh, wow. Rob and I were like, it's John Hughes. You know, we were like, we got to go. And we went to a matinee. I remember that. Like, I think, I can't remember who drove us. It might've been, might have been Rob's mom. She dropped us off at, um, I want to say we saw it at uh, South Square. You know, the old movie theater at South Square. Yeah. I think that's where we saw it. Um, and uh, we were like, because we were just like, I mean, of course, back then at that time, I was a huge John Hughes fan. Like anything he did, I, I wanted to see. Um, and I was especially, I really wanted to see it because I didn't get to see The Breakfast Club in theaters because it was rated R. Right. right. Um, but but yeah, so I was 14 when, uh, when it, when I saw it, like right before my birthday. So, um, yeah. Well, you want to go ahead and start this up? All right. Let me get, um, thanks again for my birthday gift. This is awesome. Welcome, it's got the digital code so I can pull it up on my Roku. 
Yeah, I'm doing it. I'm doing it same way. I'm doing it on movies anywhere. So I'm yep. doing, here you go, plug for movies anywhere. Do you? Yeah, there you go. I'm at, you. I'm at zero zero zero. I'm at, I'm at so. All right, let me um, let me see what I got here. All right, let me go back to zero zero. All right, zero zero. I'm gonna count it down. Three, two, one, play. The old Universal logo. Okay, Mom, I must be a little bit behind you because it just came up. I'm at 10. What's your say? I'm at 12. Okay, they're showing their huge silver production. Yep, we're, we're synced up. Okay. I forgot these girls. Okay, so okay, I was looking up about like film locations. This was supposedly this part was filmed in a, in California. This part was filmed in California at a some at a Bell at some place called Bell High School. It's at a B E L L gymnasium or something. This part, so huge party, huge party, women I actually think I'm a little behind you, but that's all right. Here, I'll... Gary. See, this was filmed... Like... Starting in October of 84, Breakfast Club it's finished here. up May yeah, of 84 start, filming. Down, look. down the right. Hold on. Yep, there he is. Robert Jennings. Check us out! Check us out! Nice. <laughs> nice. And here it is. I think, man, I, this, I mean, this is like the perfect theme song for like this movie. I mean, if the music fits, it's like the title fits, the music fits. Yep. Bill Paxton, man, there he is. Rest in peace, Bill. Yeah, love you, buddy. Yeah, I know, it's just Robert Downey there, not Robert Downey Jr. Just really just Robert. And we'll talk about Michael. Yes, it showed Michael Berryman there. We'll talk about him in a little bit. That's All the horror movies he's been in, but. I mean, this, I mean, man, I look, I mean, this, this was just like. I mean, I was every 13 year old, every teenage boy that time frame is like. You're produced by Joe Silver. Now we'll talk oh, about yeah. him in a minute too. Um, written and directed by John Hughes. 
Chicago. But this is hard to believe. It's only like what? Five months after Breathless Club was was filmed, filmed, being filmed. This is being filmed. I mean, yeah. He was hitting puberty. Well, you know, Judd Nelson said that at the beginning of the Breathless Club filming, that that Anthony Michael Hall had a growth spurt during the during the filming of that. He said at the beginning he was taller than the Anthony Michael Hall. At the end, Anthony Michael Hall was taller than he was. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if I can, if I can see that in the movie or not. But I don't. He beats the shit out. So, um, speaking of Anthony Michael Hall, there was some news recently about him. Did you hear? Mm-mm. So he was at some hotel pool, and he was drunk, and he was belligerent with the hotel guests. He was cursing in front of some of the kids there at the pool. And um, hotel security was summoned. And apparently he left. But then later on, he issued a, a, like a public apology and just said that he was sorry if he offended anybody or whatever. But apparently he's had some anger management issues in the past few years. Um, hmm. Real shame, because, I mean, he's really talented. Just I hate to see stuff like that happen. Well, these computer graphics. Yep. This is a colorized version of Frankenstein. The original was black and white. This is around the time when they were colorizing black and white movies. Not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. Making a girl. Actually, make himself just like Frankenstein. Except Peter. You're serious. You're serious. I remember when I saw this. That guy's voice really got on my nerves. <laughs> it still gets on my nerves. <laughs> I totally agree with you. Gary Wallace. <laughs> He's like, that's the reason he keeps covering his mouth. <laughs> he got tired of it too. But I like that guy, though. I mean, he he get a he has so he has a a. He's, um, a good, he's a good straight man to. Right, he has a good he has good innocence about him and uh, a good hardness. You can tell that's in his personality. But his voice was annoying. But. Oh. <laughs> He's got a fake girl in Canada. Supposedly, they, they talk about one, a fake girlfriend in Canada in the Breakfast Club. I don't. <laughs> This computer, the floppy disks. Yeah. Oh, and the computer, and there's the there's the there's the calculator watch. On this. There's the Cubs pennant thing on the background. On the back door, Chicago Cubs. Yep. 
play chess with him. I mean, he had a cool room, man. It's kind of like the red and black the pillows over there. I mean, that kind of stuff. That was all. It's got Depeche Mode poster and a Human League poster. Right. And these uh, Atari 800 graphics. That's a cool. That's a cool light thing on the thing. I mean, that was that, that time frame. That was really. It definitely has. You got, got, got a own bathroom. Oh yeah. It's got an 80s vibe to it. That's for sure. But you could tell it's a rich. It's a rich neighborhood. Oh yeah. So um, I don't know if he ever published or kind of gave insight into it. Maybe you know something about this, but apparently Hughes said that all of his his movies took place kind of in the same universe, where the characters from Sixteen Candles were somehow connected with the characters from all the other movies and so forth. Like they all were in the same universe, same world. Even even weird science that they were, you know. I'm not, but it's all part of. I guess not part of that. Six hundred sixty. It's six zero zero six two, which is which is Northbrook, Illinois, which is used to be Shermerville. Yep. <laughs> These graphics are killing me. <laughs> hey man, you should do a T-shirt. You should do a T-shirt with that six that six zero zero six two Shermerville. You should do something like that. Yeah, that's a good idea. That would be that would be even Shermer High School or something like that. I'll be. Yeah. There was a there was a Michael Jordan. There was a not Michael Jordan. I was Sam, I was Sam Perkins actually in the Sports Illustrated underneath. Oh yeah, there's Kelly LeBrock. Yep. Oh yeah, gotta have a high IQ. Inner brain of Albert Einstein. It's David Lee Roth. <laughs> Dave TV. Oh boy. Oh, I'm tell you what, man. I I I forgot just how good she looked in that outfit when she comes to life. Like, <laughs> I just want it, man. John Hughes coming up with this stuff. I just want. I'm serious, man. That's like. Okay, the stuff I read about this house. Yeah, we'll do it in a minute. We'll talk about this as this goes on. There's a lot of people who say this house is a house in California. But the, the stuff I read, uh, yeah, there's, but the stuff, but the Sprite, but the stuff I read that this house was actually in, in Illinois and that this house has been, has been, has since got tore down and it was rebuilt by another house, but it, it's very similar to a house that's used in California. That's huge, you know, but, but, yeah. There's Shermer. 
it's just, I mean, it really is looking, I mean, like, you know, Anthony Michael Hall playing, playing that part of Brian to this. It just shows you that he did have some good acting range. Talking heads. Supposedly, this this computer was a real was a computer that was that was more in um, in England, and the reason that John picked it was because it was black and it had it had a more sleek looking vibe to it. Now this is the classic. I think to me this is uh, the same that pink background with it. Oh. Billy remember wasn't she like the Pantene spokesmodel Hello? years maybe Hello? sounds right Sorry. and supposedly of course she had the little stickers on during the scene when she filmed supposedly that they did film but this still got through He's got an apple juice. spend some time trying to figure out what exactly is she is she like a hologram is she a virtual reality program is she an artificial intelligence like yeah in the matrix <laughs> i mean it's like of course you know i've got like all the movies that have come after this that kind of like do this kind of thing of like a computer creates some sort of life I like it. Another 
I think I think Amanda they're Lincoln. actually dead, and they're like in in some sort of like virtual reality program inside the computer. None of this is really happening to them. Like their clothes changed when they walked out of the room. You know, like the that candy They're actually in a video game. This is yeah. like uh, you know, um, Grand Theft Auto Part Ten. <laughs> I gotta say, you know, even with the 80s styles, like, what is, what are the suits that they're wearing? Like, his is fairly, you know, but like, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, they're not, yeah. <laughs> hey, when that happens. Look over there. Do you see who's at the table? Take him out. Yeah, there he is. Janitor by day, pimp by night. He's a bohunk now, my friend. I remember that guy. He's, he was in other movies. Yeah, he was. He was a lot of stuff. Dang it. John Hughes takes a dark turn. Drink up, Whitey. <laughs> Carl, your buddy. The candy bar. <clears throat> Van Esther. Watch you, sucker. I'm telling you story, man. Last year, I was insane for these crazy little April bitch. Okay, insane. 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 How did he wind up at the senior citizen table? I mean, I was nothing to do. Every night. On the telephone. It's kind of funny how some of this stuff comes right back to you. 
People can't drink. So let's see, underage drinking, smoking. They're in a video game. That's the only thing I can think. It's like and I and I think on some of these some of these scenes here were filmed in California as well. Oh yeah. Oh definitely. Like I think they filmed the young Tom Petty in the back seat. <laughs> like three weeks or so or something in Illinois and then they filmed the rest. Yeah. If he starts breaking into uh don't come around here no more, we'll be There. That's my theory for this movie that none of this is really happening. It's all a simulation. Get that hair. I mean, <laughs> oh man, coming a flat top. My gosh, that was right. Good I mean, old Bill Paxton. I remember when I heard that he had passed away. He he died having surgery. He was having surgery on his heart, and it was like just complications. And he died. I think he died on the table. His I think his family sued. The doctor and the surgeon in the hospital. I, I, I know. But he was one of those actors when I heard that he had passed. I just kind of, I had a moment of silence because I was thinking about, oh, just, I always enjoyed yeah. Bill Paxton. He could be in the worst movie, but he was always good. Like, I, I mean, like, he's one that's, you know, like, you, you didn't like him in, in this role. I mean, you know, he's, he's an antagonist. He's the, you know, he's the bully big brother. Yeah. But you're right. Whatever he's in, he, he does, you know, he was, he was great in Twister, great in, oh, you yeah. know, good in Titanic, he had a small role in it. Uh, Look at those teeth, dude. I don't, that's just real teeth. 
He has, a, he has his own nameplate on his door. Yeah. One of the, um, this was not long before he died. He uh, did an interview with Chris Hardwick. I think it was Chris Hardwick. And he was talking about this movie. And he was talking about how he just really loved working with John Hughes and said John was so supportive. Like he said, I would come to him with these ideas. And in fact, when you said the name played on his door, I think that was a Bill Paxton idea. He said, hey, what do you think about me? Or what do you think about Chet having his name on the door? And he gave him some rationale for it. And Hughes was like, do it. Let's get, let's get the name tag up there, you know. So he said he just loved working with Hughes. Hughes was very collaborative and encouraging. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think he always – this is like, yes, yes. <laughs> Like I would, I I remember kidding around even during the Saw's movie. Going, I would be saying, "Okay, I messed it up. Sorry, let's do it over yeah. again." Hey, can we do that one more time? I I, yeah. I don't think I was quite. Yeah, I was like Kelly LeBrock. What a what a lady! And then she married Steven Seagal. And then I was I like, know. "Oh God!" Just goes to show, like you know. Beautiful women usually have really lousy taste in men. Can we play chess? Well, I don't know. Like, how old was he there, and how old was she? Like, well, she was uh, in her twenties. Um, yeah, this is not the house. Okay, this house must have been must. People must have had that wrong. Some people had that. Some people have that wrong. Everybody has it wrong. That must be the house that was the original house in Chicago because that's it. That's it's a Tudor style. The one they they talk about, the one that's in California, but it is way. It's massive. She, Kelly was 25 when she made this movie, 24 when they shot it. So she was 24. And Wyatt, um, he was, he, when he made this movie, he would have been, 
15 or 16. Wow. So he's kissing a woman 10 years older than him. He had, he, when he did the Goldbergs, he was on the in that other episode. Of, yeah, I heard. I, I haven't seen the episode, but I heard he was. was I, I saw what he was good. He played his teacher, put Adam's teacher and um, science teacher. I yeah. Thought, you know, um, but he did some interview for that, for the, for that. And he said he, he has an idea for a sequel and his sequel would it be that, that they're growing up him and Gary and they got, I, <laughs> that got a big <laughs> laugh in the theaters. I remember. Yeah. That, oh, I remember, whole, you know, Chet gives him a hard time about that, but, um, but he had said that they're grown up and that they have, they both have daughters and their daughters find their stuff and they end up making a guy and that he wants Shannon Tatum to play, to play the, to play the, yeah, do a sequel. I actually, I, I was, and I heard, I was like, that's not a bad, that's not a bad premise. It's actually. You spin this. I haven't seen that in forever, man. I knew that a lot. Of Well, I noticed in this movie, so like they do look at the camera. There are a couple, like Anthony Michael Hall looked at the camera a moment ago. Yeah, he looked at the camera. One of the things I read that said, I mean, it's, it's somebody else, I mean, it was like a, a fan said that every time that he looks at looks at Bill Paxton that he he's like he wants to laugh. It's like he smiles, he gets this he gets this this look on his face and he wants to laugh every time. <laughs> Man, that get up is that that is like eighties. Eighties. Yeah. That's like Colors of Benetton or something, you know. Look, that is pretty extreme. Girlfriend. So, did you see her name tag? It says I Magden C. Well, almost like it looked like the word imagine. <laughs> and that, that's what they're doing. They're imagining this whole. See, I'm telling you, I think it's. I think they're in a video game, or they're in a simulation, or something. Uh, uh, Susan, do you think you could grab? If you were doing a remake of this, that's probably the way you would go. You were fifteen years old. 
Call the police. <laughs> it's like Aunt May. <laughs> My Peter would never approve. Give me a John Hughes' mom. <laughs> okay, supposedly this was the first scene. This is the first. This is the first day of filming. They did oh. this. It was the the mall scene. Rob Stanley and I used to do that all the time. We'd do that. Oh, I pause. Sorry, I pause that. I want to talk about. Okay. See, I, I can see Robert Downey Jr. being ducky. And I heard they did the scene like six or seven, eight times or whatever. These girls went by. You see her? <laughs> yeah. Look, and what is that get up that Robert Jr.'s wearing? My God, shorts. See, he could he really could have done he could have done Ducky, but in a in a sweeter way. See, like if he played Ducky, I think you, you could have seen her picking. Roy Orbison. Okay, let me give a shout out to my dad who cut Roy Orbison's hair, by the way. Let me do this for right. everybody out there. My dad was like right out of high school, had his barber license in down New Mexico, Carlsbad Caverns, and cuts Roy Orbison's hair. And he cut Johnny Cash's hair. Just throwing that in there for the, for the record. We'll talk about it. No, people with uh, people wearing a tie, a coat, and a tie at the mall. Hey, okay. that's one of the guys from Sixteen Candles. Sixteen Candles, that's him. Yep, that's John Cusack's brother. Yeah, and that guy right there is from C the, the fourth guy from the, the right. He's from the CSI show or something. Huh. Something Wally, Walt, Walter, something another. Yeah, Ray yeah, Moore yeah. Or, yeah. Come on, Max. Come on, Max. Oh, Mad Max. Here we go. Yeah. Saw the excavator. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you were looking at it, right? Yeah. So, what are you doing? The guy on the left. I'm trying to remember, like, whatever happened to him. I know he did. Yeah, he's a he's a good-looking guy. I mean, you can see. Gary. Come on, 
Yeah, that dude with uh, Robert Downey Jr. I was trying to remember where I'd seen him elsewhere. He was in the movie Shag. Did you ever see that? It was from the late '80s. Hmm. Had Phoebe Cates in it. Yeah, he um, he played her love interest. So now my my 14 year old just spoke up and said, "What's going on?" <laughs> now he wants. Think about this. We're just talking about this. I was 13 when this came out. You were 15. And he's 14. He's right. In, he's the he's the average. He's the median age. He's the us. target age for, for yep. this movie. If he lived in the 80s. Have you been watching it all? Or have you been yes, doing other stuff? Get it. No, you clearly have not been watching. No, I know it's not a video game, but like he's not been watching. Oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> no, you do not look like that. Oh, this same man is just amazing. We'll go around and get a drink. I'll be right back. It's quite a mess of cigarettes she's got. I left my uh, drink in the freezer. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to be opening it anytime soon. <laughs> Nipples. synced up at one point and now i think you're behind me yeah behind you i paused the first thing by accident oh he said you were coming you here
the rice, the water's running out there. This lady, Gary's mom, has like four credits to her name. And supposedly she's still alive. I don't, but but no one knows where she is. <laughs> but, but but she's like my dad's age. I mean, like exactly the same age. It's. Here it comes. Yep. I'm really sorry it has to come to this. Don't cheer up, I'll blow your face off. Don't cheer up, I'll blow your face off. So you're saying this house was in Illinois? It's been it's since been tore down, so that's why we can't. Yes. We can't. We can't. So, but supposedly some of, and I don't, and it's hard to. Supposedly, some of the, some of the, some of the, these things here were done back in California, like inside the house. But there's, but there's, but there's some people that I've read that different things have said that they were, they were, they're like they're from Chicago. They were, they were at the mall scene. The guy said he was right there at the part. He was at the, he was, he's at the party. So, I don't know how much was. How much they filmed? Fart, squeeze cheese. Let me know. Okay, I'm a fan. Fart, squeeze cheese. 
there's a there's a pin yeah, on the back on the on the back of the Cameron Cameron's uptight. But that's still look, look at that red glow from the bathroom that when Kelly the Brock came out. Look, it's in the shower the shower scene. That's what I thought you said. So that dude on the left, he um, he's still doing stuff. He was uh, doing some TV shows and movies like up to, I guess, last year. <laughs> a boy, a very boyish Robert Downey. See, I, see, I think they should have used movies like this when they did the flashback scenes to well, they, Robert Downey. The the model, the computer generated model, for that one scene where it shows him as a teenager, they apparently took footage from some of the films he did at this this period, and kind of used that for reference for the CGI effect that they created. At least I read that somewhere. The one, the woman on the girl on the right, um, you know, she reminds me of. Um, do you remember um, back in the '90s when uh, they do a USA Up All Night with right. uh, Rhonda? What was her name? Spear or Steer? Rhonda or? Sheer, Sheer, Sheer. This girl yeah. looks like the the teenage version of Rhonda Sheer. I'm not, I actually follow her on Facebook. I don't know how I, I, Oh, really? Yeah. I was like, what happened to do her? I, do I see her? I, I see her. She's still, she's doing those video or the uh, the video things that you can get a birthday greeting or oh, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Cameo. Is it cameo or? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just looked her up. But she she had a thing on one of those selling stuff on like one of those home like QVC type things. Right, 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 right. She hosted one of those. And... See, the like the brunette reminds me of a girl Robert Downey Jr. It's the, she the girl the brunette was was in um she was Robert Downey Jr. on um what's it called big what's it called bang bang or what's it called uh kiss bang bang or oh kiss kiss bang bang yeah kiss kiss bang bang she was she had a small role in it oh okay 
There was a little, little tidbit. Come on, Lisa, why not? <laughs> Come on, Lisa, why not? Come on, Lisa, why not? Because I belong to Gary and Wyatt. They make you in the garage with power tools? Oh, what? They make you in the garage with power tools? I'll help you. Seriously? Do I look like I go out? True. Well, they are. I do. They <laughs> do. True. I think Gary and Wyatt must have one to redefine yourself. That's what John Hughes was all about. Redefining the terms. I do. Whatever they say. Again, a little bit. He had some of the class distinctions there. That's that's the suit they get with. They get with. Wyatt is. <laughs> oh, I'm, okay. I remember they leave, and uh, so there's other two girls are in there. We'll drag that. Mind blowing. A mind scramble. Okay, I know this. Call the police. <laughs> these, I love these. Oh, these the grandparents. And I always thought she was the most ugly-looking woman I've ever seen. That, but her voice—it's like, I mean, she, oh. It's almost like, is she a man? Uh, oh, good. What's right by? Man, just, just think about how cool it would be if you were like 16, 17 years old and you're in Illinois and you get to be an extra in one of these films that's going on forever. I mean, that we're watching this stuff 35 years later. See now, this guy's hair looks different. The guy you were talking about to the left, the one the, yep. with Robert Down Jr., it looks different than it did when they was downstairs. So I think this was filmed, and I think it was filmed at different times because it looks completely 
it's more it's more laid back. I just it's it's so funny looking at Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. I'm telling you, I still want to see I I want Saturday Night Live to to release the season. The him and Anthony Michael Hall. The, I mean not not excerpts. Oh, I love that. That's the, that's the 16 Candles picture. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, now look. Go, 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 go. These shooters, aren't they? Go, go, go. That Coke and the Coke. We talk. We talk about four. I got. I got the styrofoam. Styrofoam Coke label. Oh yeah, that's him. That's the guy from. Yeah, Art. The guy. That's the guy from. From the CSI thing. Yeah. I see why this house. Why they think that's a house in California, but I do. I think it's not as. The one in California is a lot bigger than this house. And <laughs> I got the white boy in the TV show. I'm telling you, that's this is my theory. This whole thing is a computer simulation. Dancing on the ceiling. <laughs> You're going to love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This, this girl. Yeah. It's like, where did that water come from? <laughs> it's like, this is just, I remember. And this, is where the, and this is where Harry Potter got the idea about the, the pictures moving. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is the sign of the times about you got to have a, you got to have a little bit of nudity going on. Good thing that pool was there. Yep. Or lake or whatever it was. Whatever. I don't.
had to be big shots, didn't you? You had to show off. Yes, Miss Lisa. Yeah, I would. Is that the time episode? Hey, is that the time? Is that the time article uh, magazine that were Molly Ringwald says she was past John Hughes? No, that would be hilarious. On the cover of that one. That would be hilarious. I tried to show the cover that's like, yeah, I'm, I passed John Hughes. I think it was later, actually, after this, but still. Oh, symbolism. Yep. Something's going on here, Norman. I have a feeling we're not going to approve, Henry. Henry? I have a feeling we're not going to approve, Henry. Henry. This puppy's for real, all right. This puppy's for real, all right. Daddy Jeter's face behind. Walk in somebody's house and start But all the knobs are not blue, though. I love the, I mean. Are they all right? They're fine. Are they all right? They're fine. Are they all right? They're better than And they still, they're still moving that. They're like,
<laughs> oh yeah. That's right, I forgot this guy was in this. Yep. The hills have eyes. Yeah, so, uh, so, so, Joel Silver light this guy and puts him, he puts him, he puts, he does, he does commando after he does this movie. He does commando and he puts, uh, he puts that guy in. Yep. The guy with the, the guy with the face, the half, the whatever. That guy with the, with the motorcycle. Well, they're all motorcycles, but whatever. The guy with the half, whatever. And of course, like every '80s person who watched any horror at all knows who this guy, Michael Barrymore, or whatever his name is. Okay, Michael Berryman. I remember at one point when Rob and I were sitting here watching this, like, what is going on? It, yeah, you, you did, but it's like, I mean, this is like not my, I remember then it's like, it wasn't my favorite part of the movie or anything, but. Yeah. There's the dude you were talking about. Yeah, that's the guy. My fault. Yeah. These people are not high school students. I'm sorry. This guy's been. This guy's still doing. This guy's got Michael Berryman, the guy with the bald head. Yeah. The, the weird, uh, that he's done 106 different things, man. He is. He's been. Oh yeah. And most of it's like horror stuff, but. Oh, yeah. But, I know him from uh, that movie from the 70s, uh, The Hills Have Eyes. Yeah, that's that's dude. Yeah. But he was in Star Trek for the Final Frontier, by the way. Oh, yeah. A, a Sabah warrior. And Star Trek Next Generation as Captain Ricks.
The kids from the kitchen that came out with the blue, the blue outfits. Yep. Two unpopular dicks like you. Having a party. I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm just asking myself that great question. I See, I always felt like they were supposed to be in a Mad Max movie and they showed up to the wrong set, you know.
You have a lovely home. He did a Motley Crew video before this came out, like before this, and some say that was a nod to to, to that. To the, he was a principal, I think, in the in the, the Motley Crew video, yeah. and um, so some, about my teaching job, I was. Yeah, it was home sweet home, Motley Crew. I feel down here. Shitty star. With great power comes great responsibility. I had to do what Uncle Ben told me to do. This is a sort of a night of weird shit. I was wondering if I can ask you something strange. Ask? Would you kiss me? Okay, John Hughes, you're a prol prolific writer, but that is so unrealistic, but okay. I mean, I know we're, we got we got a missile going through. You, you, you make a woman out of a Barbie doll and in on a computer with the with the. Uh, I I have very vivid memories of my fourteen year old self being very concerned about about John Hughes when I, at this point in the movie I'm like, what did he? What, what's going on? It's like. This is not the John Hughes I know. Like, what happened here? I think the thing about John, man, I think he he obviously had a thing for. I mean, the wacky. I mean, he was. I mean, doing some crazy he stuff. Totally, you know what I'm saying? He totally did. I just yeah. don't know. It just this just I don't know. It's like it it should work, but I don't know. It's just something about it. It's just I don't know. It's just not, I'm having the same reaction I had when I saw it originally. I'm just like, just something feels off. Lisa. Lisa. Just anything I ever wanted. Like these girls, like this girl and then the other one, like, you know, obviously they're set up to be kind of like the unattainable girls that these two guys want to get with. But like they're they're not that interesting. They're just kind of bland. Yeah, they, they they kind of remind me a little bit of like they're the like the Leah Thompson vert, you know, of uh, Amanda Jones. It's kind of like now obviously Amanda's beautiful. I mean, beautiful, beautiful. But I think Amanda had but, much more character than. Of course, but I'm saying, but they're but they're the girls that are like. 
they're popular, but they're not like they're not snooty popular. Right. But, but they're with a but they're with those jerk type snooty guys. Yeah. They're supposed to be kind of like the comedy versions of That's of the Hardys Chet. of the world. And of course, Chet there is playing the ultimate. See, this house is not this. Yeah, this this is the house from Illinois. This is not. Yeah. That's not Los Angeles. That's not. Uh. Uh-uh. Oh, oh man. And a duck hunt. Oh, What's with those pictures with the mustaches on the people? I noticed that before. Yeah, I noticed that his shotgun shells were like he had five of their originally. Now he's got three. I don't know if he lo- if he loaded up after he uh, maybe he so. saw his room. The gun, the gun bent. I saw that. It's like this rubber. Yeah, the rubber. I guess the sound effects are so good. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's again. He's smiling like. <laughs> so Wyatt has a sister. Oh yeah, I guess so. Every time, man, he's like he's about ready to bust out laughing. His eyes, Grandpa. Yeah. They moved. Yep.
dead? Oh, they were just resting. What are they doing in here? I didn't want the boys to get into trouble. Quite frankly, they weren't having a very good time for the party. Do you think they're having a good time being in a closet? Do you have any idea how disrespectful that is? Now he's carried. Yeah, he, he's, he's going to send her home with a serious, with a serious limp. But her parents are probably worried sick. <laughs> now I want you to promise that you'll keep your big mouth shut about everything that has happened here this weekend, and I want you to treat Wyatt and Gary with dignity and respect. That's Illinois. Yeah, that's definitely Illinois. Awesome. You kiss. Man. 
That was, yeah. She's like, yeah, whatever. Nope, you're not. <laughs> you know, I broke up with, you know, my ringwald already, so. Not a love. Give me a word that you'll leave quiet and Gary and Lim and I'll change you back. Oh, all right. Shake on me, Yeah, supposedly there's a scene that was cut that she she gave um, Robert Downey Jr. and the other guy like animal heads, like one the donkey and one with something else. I was wondering about what happened to them. Yeah, it's kind of. The cars kind of do the whole auto man type thing. Yeah. Oh, it's a simulation. I'm sorry, Wyatt. Sorry for being such a shit to you. See, <laughs> well, I want you to know that I love you. 
They do get his lightness down, but I tell you, it's just like. Right. Now, now she's wearing the outfit that they had on at the at the mall with uh, when they were at the perfume counter. Yes. My mission here is over. I mean, I may be a, a hologram or a, the early version of Alexa or Siri, <laughs> or Siri, but I mean, I have feelings too. Of course I'm hurt. Hey, Lisa. Hey, Lisa, I need directions too. Yeah. Supposedly there was something about that. One of the, one of the Apple computers were called some the Lisa yeah. something. Yeah. So they, some say John did that. I don't know if that was true or not. I don't know. Yeah. So I kind of wondered this was made today. Would her, would, you know, like, would her name be Siri or Siri or Alexa? I wonder, you know. I remember her lips, man, were like, that's, that's like the first time, like, good gracious. She's quite a lady. Yep, simulation's ending. Oh, yeah. now, I don't think they ever, they ever say what happened to grandma and grandpa who are in the kitchen I don't think that's ever. Everything's being reset. So they had to shoot that thing t twice. One at night and one during the day, and then reverse it to make it look like it's going backwards. Oh, and made the bed for him. That just the. <laughs> no, no, no. 
You see where you see where Chet gets it. Yeah. <laughs> Anthony Michael Hall, that face, man. He, his eyes, he could do so much with his eyes. Hey, that's the school from 16 Candles. Yeah, and that school did get tore. That's that now that one did get tore down. That's yeah. not that's not a Ferris Bueller school, but it did. It's a shame that school got tore down, man. I would have. That's that would been great. There's still quite a. I've I've put a lot of stuff on Google Maps, so I want like places I put it there, like want to go. I've tagged it, my Google Maps. Yeah, that's. Yeah, you can you, you can see the gold birds here, like. But th yeah, this this yeah that was filmed that that, that gymnasium scene was filmed in uh, California though. Yeah. Robert Downey. I'm not gonna lie, this probably is. Uh, Yeah, I think I, I would put some kind of wonderful above this one. There's some things about this movie I like, but overall, I'm like, doesn't hold. I still, I still view, I still view it as thirteen. As thirteen, I still like the joke. I still remember, oh, yeah. like, not all of them, but yeah. it's like the humor, man, is like that's the square. Oh, yeah. It's still. It's like now, a I, but there's obviously there's a lot of parts that are unbelievable. Yeah. But, um, but John Hughes, man, he still is like it's it's kind of like a Will Ferrell movie, you know. It's Will Ferrell gives you genius, like ten minutes of genius sometimes. That's just like it's just great. Yeah. No, but this, this but this, but then but uh, the ending or like there's a part there's always a part of, of a Will Ferrell movie. How much I love Will Ferrell. That's just kind of like. Sometimes you're like going, you could cut out like 20 minutes of this and, and this movie would be a whole lot better if you just yeah. cut. It's like, there's always a part like that in the movie. And I kind of feel like this is kind of that same way. It's kind of like going, you know, um, it's like John Hughes will always give you something that's going to be, you know, it's, it's, it's there. But I mean, but there's, but there's part of this that's just like over the top wacky. There's no doubt about it. You know, I, I agree with you. It's, it's silly and, and whatever, but there's some, but there's some parts there with, you know, I mean, some classic stuff there. I mean, yeah, even even if the even if the premise is, you know, like I said, out. I, I mean, but it's like I said, man. He he comes up with. I mean, it's just it's like you said, man. He's doing. He did. He wrote the Breakfast Club first before he even did Sixteen Candles. He 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 already had that written. Then he does 16 Candles. And then while he's filming six, the film of Breakfast Club, he writes this. I mean, I'm like going, you know, it's just like, gets me, man. It just shows you that I just, it's just like his, you know, like you could pigeonhole him. You know, that's the, Oh, I didn't realize that that Pretty Woman was the band that Ben Halen did that version of it. Yeah, that was their cover. Yep. I did not. Yeah, I did not realize that. 
hence the his the hence the David Lee Roth um early on in the and did you know that um that they gave the what's what's the music company they gave him He's, that there was huge music for a while. He has he has own his own little division, own little. It was called Huge Music. It was um. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but but after he did, but after he quit doing '80s musics or '80s music, '80s films, then that kind of like that went defunct because, you know, he was he was really going to use that as a way to like. I mean, since he had such a good ear for music and putting uh, the right music and the right stuff, that he was going to give artists a chance to like be whatever. And I, but I think thanks a lot, Anthony Michael Hall and Molly Ringwald for ruining that for everybody. But no, but that was. Um, but after after Ferris Bueller's Day Off, man, that was it. I mean, I, I guess some kind of wonderful actually was the last one technically. But the but the last one that he directed was was Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and that that was I mean when it came to you know, but that was it, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah this um, this movie um, it didn't do too well when it came out. Um, so like this, at this point, Hughes had done three movies in fifteen months. Like you had sixteen candles, then Breakfast Club, and then this. Um, right, and it didn't do nearly as well as they did, um, and it got pretty pretty trashed by the critics. I think only Roger Ebert, in terms of like well-known critics, Roger Ebert actually liked it. Um, he wrote a positive review about it, and I think like some of the stuff he said in the review is is right on point like i think he kind of got what hughes was trying to do which was it was just you know a comedy for 13 and 14 year olds i mean it's just you know yeah target audience yeah and um it it does i will say though it's like you know as much as i like john hughes as a writer and a director and i always felt like his stories they just they, I don't know, they, they kind of started and ended well. Like this one just kind of felt like, I don't know, like almost, there was a part where I felt like, I don't think he knows where he's going with this. <laughs> you know, like, okay, let's throw these people, these rejects from a Mad Max movie in here and see what happens. You know. Um, I think he's had some, he's had ideas and he went with it. And he, I would have loved to see a, some scripts, like the drafts of what this looked like at one point in time to see, you're right, about how did this get to here? Like, because he, cause he had to get, there had to be some, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of the same way how he went with, you know, like some kind of wonderful was going to be more, more like, I mean, not this, but it was supposed to be more comedy, more whatever, and it became more serious, and it became more pretty and pink as it went. Like, like, like the drafts earlier drafts was not pretty and pink, and it became the pretty and pink, but in reverse. Yeah. Like this, I don't. I, it would be interesting to see about what his, you know, what the original end game was. You know, like 
you yeah. like what did he like what did he first envision i would love to know i mean well, of course so we don't, the we'll title know, the title itself i mean that weird science is the title of a of a comic book series from the 50s and it's uh, you know i don't know if if it was a comic book that john hughes read chances are he probably did um that was put out by the same company that did tales from the crypt you know which was eventually a yeah. tv series on hbo but it was a comic book as well and weird science it was kind of like tales from the crypt but it was much more as the title indicates more science fiction fantasy based stories and so yeah i'm, I'm with you i'm curious to like um because joel silver had gotten the rights to weird science to the title you know and and so i'm wondering if maybe the original idea is that you know john i want you to write a, a weird science type story and this will be like weird science the movie kind of thing and um which i mean i don't i never read weird science like when they reprinted them back in the 90s um but i kind of see the premise of like yeah these two guys these two high school students or junior high students or whatever they um right create a woman you know it's like frankenstein um so yeah I'd, I'd be curious to see like how it evolved from the first draft to the to the finished version but um while we were talking i was i pulled up um something online so remember i was telling you about um bill paxton and about things like the name plate on the door and well apparently the haircut that military haircut, he got that haircut without Hughes's permission. Um, he was just kind of like, he thought, you know, I might lose my job, you know, like if Hughes doesn't like this, I might be sunk. But apparently Hughes loved it. He thought, I mean, apparently he just loved everything Bill did in the movie. Like he just, he just encouraged him. And so, but yeah, Hughes loved the haircut and um, was really, in fact, when they made the puppet, I think they had to, revamp the top of it so they could put that haircut to kind of like have that there at the top to so and then your comment about the lisa the apple computer that was intentional um oh. it, it was yeah john john chose it it was um the computer came out in 83 but it was a flop for apple um what <laughs> it was a flop um it wasn't done a white probably i don't know yeah, but, it, to be. but what's interesting about it it was the first personal computer that had the graphical user interface where you could point and click at icons so something that we take for granted today lisa was the first computer to do that it's pretty cool so, yeah but guess how much that thing cost in 1983 so lisa was was aimed at business users it wasn't like a consumer um computer i'm gonna say two thousand dollars tried nine thousand nine hundred ninety five dollars wow today in today dollars that would be about almost twenty five twenty six thousand yeah yeah so wow. that was why it didn't sell that well yeah um so well, i guess it's like i mean like vcrs were like a thousand dollars or more when they first came out i mean yeah. Well, I mean, like when they initially got released, they were, I mean, and I remember them being like, you know, $8.99, $6.99, and, and, they, and they eventually started coming down to $4.99. And then, you know, and eventually you could get a, you could get a VCR for a hundred bucks, 200 bucks, a hundred bucks. Yeah. You know, that was pretty. Um, so there's another story I came across with regards to this movie. So apparently 
uh, on the set, there was somebody going around taking dumps in the actors' trailers. So they were called the serial dumper. And uh, <laughs> it happened to Bill Paxton. It happened to that Robert Rustler, the guy that, you know, the, we were talking about. Yeah. Um, and apparently it was like nobody knew who it was. And like Joel Silver was apparently up in arms about it. And it wasn't until 97 that Robert Downey Jr. came forward and said he was the serial dumper. No way. <laughs> he that is but then he said um so he in the interview he was asked who else he did it in, and he said he also did it in kelly lebrock's trailer but later on he said no that wasn't true he didn't do it in her trailer but it was uh another one of the members of the biker gang um he did it in her trailer but uh yeah apparently he he went around as a joke taking <laughs> dumps in that's there. hilarious man um that is great yeah that sounds like something robert danny jr would do yeah that's awesome that's uh yes gross but i love it i like it it's yeah i'm being serious Steve. man we need to we need to see about going to chicago and i'm being i really i'm um i've been i'm serious i've been plugging this stuff into my phone every time i come across the address yeah of something um I've been, and then in, in the cool thing is too, it's like, you know, he ends up, you know, I think of it about the, you know, like the 80, like the movies like 16 Candles, Breakfast Club and Weird Science and Ferris Bueller's Day Off being filmed there. But, you know, but he also filmed like Home Alone and he filmed uh, Dennis the Menace and Plane Trains and Automobiles and all that stuff was filmed up there. So, um, you know, so that's kind of cool that it would be, um, to go into to hit i would i would love to like plan it out and like do a whole i mean it, i mean i i could see it taking two or three days just to go hit everything just to go around and uh into and, and uh go to different places and do some filming and we can i don't know it'll be really cool if we could do it yeah that sounds good yeah i mean um, i mean so if i just found something a minute ago so we were talking about the title and everything. So here's, here's a story. And this is, I'm going to give a shout out to mentalfloss.com. They have an article here about 15 fun facts about weird science. So it says here, uh, it takes its title from a 1950s comic book, but other similarities are coincidental. EC comics published 22 issues of weird science between 1950 and 1953, along with more popular anthology titles like tales from the crypt. Hollywood mega producer Joel Silver got the rights to all the old EC stuff in the 80s, and Hughes was in his office one day when boxes of the comics were being delivered and unpacked. Seeing the title Weird Science and thinking of a beautiful woman he and Silver had seen earlier that day, Hughes said, what if two kids figure out a way to make that girl that was in the commissary? This is according to Silver's recollection anyway. He said, I already had rights to the EC books, so that's how I convinced them to let me have the title. Now, there was a story in an issue of Weird Science that bore a superficial resemblance to Hughes' idea. It's called Made of the Future, in which a man builds a wife from a kit he got on a trip to the year 2150. So that apparently is how this thing came to be. Yeah. Yeah, so I love yeah. hearing the. I mean, I love piecing together 
the difference, like hearing the people talk about yeah, the different stories and about put it, trying to put it together about how this kind of, you know, that's why, I mean, it's, it's neat. I, I love this kind of stuff. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so. All right, man. Do well, I need to yeah. call it a night? I need to, need to get yeah, me too. I, yeah, I hate to cut it short, but, I, yeah. but uh, well, we're not short because we've been on this thing for over two hours. But, uh, yeah, this has been fun for sure. Yeah. But I need to get off as well. But, yeah. We'll yeah. Just, uh, let's, let's just um, – we talked about getting together next week. We'll, we'll, let's just text, and we can figure out what the next one's going to be, and, and yeah. uh, we'll talk a little bit more about – This is the end to the John Hughes. That's good. It's been a, it's been a fun ride. Yeah. Um, and maybe, like I said, maybe we can, um, and I'm being serious. I'm, I'm, put, I'm throwing this out there. We need to go to Chicago and, um, that definitely, it would definitely be worth it. Oh, yeah. I mean, cause there's, there's still, I mean, dude, I've, I've, I got probably got 20 something places already in my phone for Chicago area yeah. just off the, just off these three movies, maybe four movies. Um, and I, and I didn't even, I didn't even touch the Home Alone stuff or anything like that or planes, trains, automobiles, anything like that. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's more, there's more there, but I mean, just to, just to do, yeah, it'd be really cool. Cool. Awesome. All right. All right, man. Universal Studios was not done with Weird Science after its release. In 1994, the studio launched Weird Science, the television series. It ran until 1998. Hughes had no involvement at all with the series. We hope you enjoyed this movie commentary episode of Weird Science. Be sure to check out our other episodes where we provide commentaries for other movies, such as Sixteen Candles, The Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and many, many more. Support for the Midnight Movie Snack podcast is made available by listeners like you. Your monthly donations help keep the podcast running, delivering episodes about the movies we all love. To learn more about how you can support the podcast, check out the link in the show notes. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>